show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. In this episode, I chatted with astrologer Britton LaRue about Unshaming Sagittarius, inspired by Britton's ongoing workshop series, Unshaming Each Zodiac Sign, which she has been doing since the last Aries season and is now approaching the completion of the series. I've found her posts about it so deeply insightful, and I've been really excited about what she's doing. Do check out the links in the notes for info on joining these workshops, past, present, or future, as well as pre-ordering Britain's upcoming book. Unshaming Sagittarius is an interesting idea to me in that it's a relatively shameless sign among the Zodiac, But that doesn't mean that there isn't shame connected to this archetype. As Britain has been exploring in this series, there is shame attached to every archetype. And, you know, what she's describing with it is something that I recognize also in that part of my process of working with teaching astrology is like we go through a process of seeing what our biases and like prejudices are against the signs, whether those are biases that we have against parts of ourselves or other people. And you know, you know it's out there. You know people have their judgments of what signs they are like, get me away from, or I'm never going to date that sign again. And it's not actually about the sign or the people in some sense. There's a frequency, there's an archetype, and it's about our relationship with that archetype. And so I think there's something, you know, I keep deepening and spiraling into this thought of like, What is unshaming Sagittarius when I really do think of this sign as so shameless? But I keep getting these new new thoughts um, about it, more than just what was discovered in the conversation um, that you're about to hear, right? Like we spoke about Sagittarian kind of excesses and crashes related to exaggeration and tall tales, to mess making, to inflating, you know, the hot air balloon kind of quality of this archetype, getting carried away, being blunt and not very tactful, and then deeper inquiries into why Sagittarius is the way it is and what we have to learn from these dimensions of ourselves that are ever hungry for world opening and expansion. Sagittarius could really be an emblem also of just taking up space. It's a very big and expansive sign. It's ruled by the planet Jupiter, which is a massive planet. And Jupiter and Sagittarius like really lets it all hang out. There's an audacity. A little bit about Britain. Britain LaRue, MA, is a public astrologer, author, teacher, and intuitive guide. She is self-described as a recovering academic. She left behind a 20-year career in art history to reinvent herself at midlife. Britain is known and loved by her community for modeling what it looks like to live from one's dream field. Creator of Emergence Astrology, Britain's deepest calling is to be a midwife for those in the process of birthing their own inner knowing, healing from shame, and learning to trust themselves again with the reckless freedom they deserve. She's a Pisces sun, Capricorn moon, and Aries rising. 
This um, is also going to be shared to YouTube. We didn't record this podcast with any intention to have the video version available, just audio. But I asked Britton if she'd mind me sharing it to video after, because I want to start sharing podcast episodes to YouTube. It, you know, maybe not all the time, but at least more frequently and see what happens. I'm not going to lie, given that I didn't mean to be on video, this is my own unshaming Sagittarius moment in the way of sharing myself on camera when I didn't mean to be seen, in that I'm just kind of hanging out and not necessarily trying to look good. And you know I have Venus in the first house, or if you didn't know, now you know. And I'd be vainer when given the opportunity. I noted with Britain off the recording as we winded down after that I'm actually more likely to envy Sagittarian qualities than to shame them. Um, maybe in subtle ways within myself. You know, I do sometimes have this phenomenon where like I feel like I'm being extra and I feel like I'm being unhinged, but I'm actually just being kind of animated and alive and dare I say normal, but I think it's like a big deal. And so I think that actually, you know, in my, I have a desire nature about expanding and kind of coming out more. Um, I have Cancer South Node, you know, so I have like my own kind of inner world, but there is something about breaking out of my shell. And so I think um, when I let myself get really big and I think it's a big deal, but it's actually just like, you know, Sagittarian, that maybe there's something in there Um, and subtly at some level of shame. Not that I so consciously I'm like, oh, I'm not allowed to be big, but where, where that kind of thought program takes up residence, right? Um, But, you know, in line with how much I like Sagittarius, it mystifies me the way that Sagittarians can be so comfortable expressing themselves and their bodies through space. They're sprawling out, they're spreading out, they're stretching, you know, they're kind of just like playing in the space. They're not really having inhibited postures. They're moving around laying about as they feel inspired, and I think it's charming. There was a few summers ago where I was on this big travel experience that was totally revolutionizing my world. It was a big kind of Jupiter initiation. But just before the trip began, I was having these physical symptoms appear. Like I kind of sprained my ankle mildly, and then I was having these intense pains in my body, and the night that I packed my suitcase before this long travel, I, you know, embellished and in drama, but really just a translation of how I was feeling, I said that I felt like a skeleton incinerating into ashes every time I took a step. I was like hobbling around my apartment in excruciating pain, packing a suitcase and just losing my fucking mind. It was burning up. And I was not about to give the trip up. So it was just like a really interesting moment where... My conscious agenda was like, I'm going to go on a trip. And then my unconscious like body agenda was like, here's all this pain and physical limitation. I was like, nope, like we're going to alchemize this one. Right. So I had a massive healing in that trip Um, steadily throughout the trip. I was having like the most fun of my life, having encounters with like shamans, having like huge, huge life opening experience. And throughout the trip, my pains burned off. I went full on shamanic into them before and like at the very start of the trip and throughout the trip, I regarded them as psychosomatic and I journeyed with them. And my body steadily grew looser and looser and more open as the days went on. 
But at the beginning of this trip and why I'm sharing it, I promise there's a point to this story. I met a woman who was the roommate of a friend and her body was so loose and the way she moved was really striking to me. She was comfortable and she melted into every posture she took on. And I felt like her body, like in this, um, it was almost like she was like flinging from position to posture and just kind of like, like she was like liquid honey or something. Like she had this comfort inside of herself and it went, you know, to like, she even cuddled up next to me and was just like, talking to me even though I'd never met her I saw her like run and like jump into her boyfriend's arms and like immediately like there's these dogs around and it just like looked like the ten of cups like she was just so expansively comfortable and mind you I met her at this moment where I had shooting pains in my body and like a low-key sprained ankle and I was able to witness her and like see the comparison between how she seemed to feel like what it seemed like her internal experience was versus mine and not even be jealous but more so just so clear in myself of I want to be more like that I want to feel the way I imagine she feels and I let it be an oracle and by the end of the trip after having you know I felt like I tumbled through life and had these huge healing and expanded expanding experiences I ended up feeling a lot like her, how I imagined she felt, in my body, but also in the freedom I had making friends all over the world with people I was just meeting, um, going from peak experience to the next, and just feeling deeply at home in myself, in the world, and in spontaneity. So I think that the Sagittarian qualities of expansion and freedom, whether it's someone who really understands the big picture, someone who feels really free to just kind of be like in the party energy, like in the, in the fun, in the spontaneity, in the kind of wild, unhinged, expressive side of that. Like, I like that stuff. It takes on a personal note for me in terms of my types of desires in this life. It's inspiring. Um, And the sign is not without its complexities, right? Like, when it's a little bit more of like a hot air balloon uh, kind of energy, as in like, you know, you know what hot air is. Um, Or, you know, the kind of uh, rougher edges of the sign. And whatever shame holds us back from embodying our naturalness or our sense of audacity to fill a room with our energy or to fling ourselves like an arrow through space, head first, on fire, into the direction of our most enthusiastic pursuits, Right? Like what holds us back from feeling that um, connected and open to possibility? Maybe we could go for letting some of that go. So I hope you enjoy our conversation wherever you may be tuning in from. I have a few announcements before that we start. One is that my astrology books are open. I have bookings for astrology readings available in December for new and returning clients. New clients can book the Evolutionary Fusion reading while returning clients can book that same reading but have it be a year-ahead session where we discuss your transits, perfection year, and solar return chart. The evolutionary fusion readings are 75-minute sessions that focus on the larger mythos and bigger picture soul threads of your natal chart. 
These are grounded in my decade-plus specialty, evolutionary astrology, which resources Pluto and the lunar nodes to get a glimpse into the major themes in life of the soul. These readings incorporate other things I've been studying in the last few years, like Hellenistic astrology and numerous minor asteroids. I scan for the ones that are especially prominent for you. And the session ends with integration through EFT tapping, Akashic channeling, or personalized visualization, depending on what came up in the session and upon your interest. And then for returning clients, simply book the evolutionary fusion reading, but we'll focus on your solar return chart, perfection year, and year ahead transits, and also end with the integration of EFT tapping, Akashic channeling, or personalized visualization, depending on what came up. Some things I'm excited about in readings right now is just that I'm in a time period where pretty much like my favorite thing with astrology, uh, two favorite things. One is like deepening my craft, like especially with the predictive stuff. But the other is actually just like one-on-one work and like my clients and students. It's the working directly with people that's become my favorite part of the work right now which in some sense sounds like it could be obvious, but there's a lot of layers to astrology. You can be writing, you can be researching, you can do content creation. Um, but I really am really loving like working with you directly. I'm also excited about predictive astrology. These skills for me have sharpened due to my studies in Hellenistic astrology the last few years. And the way that it then weaves with my holistic, psychological, spiritual approach um, I'm just like really excited about the things that emerge inside of this fusion of my different skill sets and background experiences. And then I'm also loving personalized visualization. The evolutionary fusion sessions have some integrative options at the end, like personalized visualization. And I've noticed that the visualization journeys I go on with my clients are really profound. I've been practicing visualization naturally for as far back as I can remember. And it's a very familiar realm to me. I love entering that space with others and guiding experiences there to support you in moving energy and having an opening. And then opportunities, specifically dates of course openings, will be announced soon. Diviner is a year-long journey into becoming the oracle of getting to know astrology as it lives through you and through your sight. New students are welcome into Diviner through the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, a four-month initiation and training into the Wisdom School of Evolutionary Astrology. After teaching the intensive for five years now, as well as advanced programs for my alumni the last two years, I created Diviner so that my students would have an immediate practice space to deepen into. When we become adept at astrology, we gain access to new neural and spiritual pathways and these new philosophical and mystical openings. That it was important to me to expand the original intensive in this way so my students could go deeper with the opportunities and revelations this practice affords in community and with mentorship and feedback from me. The courses are by application and dates will be announced soon. Now enjoy this conversation with Britton LaRue on Unshaming Sagittarius. Welcome everyone. We're recording on the Mars Kazemi to Aries. I'm here with Britton LaRue. Um, and this has been a long time coming. I've been enjoying your posts, um, especially the Unshaming the Science series that you've been putting on Instagram. Um, I know I've told you this, but not only is the writing that you share amazing, but there's like a palpable aura that emanates from your posts, which shows me that you're onto something. Um, 
and is very inviting into your world. Um, so yeah, thanks for all the inspiration over the months that you've been working on this project. Um, I'd love to ask you just to start out how you started this series, the Unshaming the Signs, and if there's also anything else you want to share about your practice and background with astrology in general. Yeah, thank you, Sabrina. And I've appreciated your um, cheerleading support as I've been going. It's been a project I really have seen Unshaming the Signs from the beginning at least this whole year's Aries to Pisces as an experiment, um, kind of allowing myself to not really know what I'm doing or what, what I'm onto and just let it teach me as I go. So um, all uh, cheerleading has been really appreciated because it's, um, yeah, it's a big experiment. So I would say that This the the project is rooted in an approach that I was kind of get what I was giving myself as I was teaching myself astrology. Um, I was at first an autodidact. I didn't have any. I didn't have a teacher like a live teacher till I was a year and a half into self study, and I was already giving readings. Um, what so I Aries. <laughs> <laughs> part too about how you're offering something that you're letting teach you as you go is also just that Aries instinct, like willingness to let, try something and go for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of, if I felt that I had to understand a thing completely, I wouldn't do anything. And then I'd be so bored and sad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is so key to being Aries. I just feel like there's, um, you know, this kind of spectrum of timidity versus boldness and that the boldness that we're required to be as Aries, like kind of asks us to leap into things regardless of how fully prepared we are, but that's part of the genius. I yeah, think I think it's, uh, it's chaotic, you know, that the level of trust that you'll be able to respond as more information comes in, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> But um, I feel like the more evidence I accumulate that I can do that and trust myself, the more I feel like I can just be bold with things. And um, exactly. as Aries rising, I feel like that has created the momentum that I was always craving for my life. So, yeah. Wait, so you're, you're Aries rising I'm Aries rising Pisces, like Pisces sun. Okay. I've had that. Like, I just had it in my mind that you were an Aries sun. My bad. <laughs> I, I, Aries is strong in me and it comes through, I think really strong in Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're switched then. Cause I'm Aries sun Pisces rising. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we share that, um, that threshold of the spring equinox, which is, I think, so potent, the handoff between Pisces to Aries. Yeah, I love it personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so at the beginning, what I was doing is like going through my chart sign by sign and allowing myself to see where I was like unskillfully um, embodying the energy of a sign and then asking myself 
what does that, what does the expression really want to be behind the unskillfulness? And really, truly, that's kind of at the heart of unshaming, I feel, is kind of understanding what's underneath something, um, like what its needs are. Um, and what it wants to express if it felt like it could, and if it felt like it wasn't being shamed. And then, um, so I started teaching astrology and teaching the signs. I created a workbook series on the signs in 2020. And it was all about this method of relating to yourself as all the signs and getting to the heart of like what's underneath whatever one might call an unskillful expression. So that's been playing out over the years in my practice. And then the last couple of years, I've started to become really interested in learning about shame. And what I was noticing is that every client that I was reading for all my students at the heart of like a longing or a yearning to be connected to astrology and to their chart was um, also a relationship to shame and a fear that the chart would reflect back their sh what they shame in themselves. And like that the chart would be proof of like being fucked up or like not having any kind of hope for redemption in this life, you know? Yeah. And I started to just feel into like, wow, shame is like the thing that at least those who are magnetized to me, it's like what we're all battling with. And it's complicated to get close to astrology if we see the planets or the signs in our charts through a lens of shame. If like, if what you, if the lens you're wearing is shame, failure is what you'll see, or like a lack is what you'll see. Um, proof, the evidence, the evidence will be there if that's what you're, if that's how you're looking at it. And so I started to just say to myself things like, um, I just want to unshame astrology. I want to unshame the chart. And I was like, what do we really need is like unshaming the signs. Let's start there. And then it just became this idea of like, well, what if I try What if I just brought this out each month? I'll like unveil some provocative ways into this and then have a live workshop where we go into the Aries inside of ourselves, go into the Leo inside of ourselves and unshame some part of us that feels like there's something wrong with expressing like the potency of what that sign wants to be. And um, it's just been a wild ride. Like it has, first of all, been so fun creatively just writing, doing the writing, because I get to to tap into my own taboo edges and like really embody the audacity of what would it be like to just freely express this? And I, so I have to let it move through me before I can share it, you know? And so it feels like it's, I'm experiencing a healing, just right, like holding it, you know, <laughs> month after month. But I have a lot of people who are coming every month and, you know, it's what I'm hearing is it's really changing people's lives because they're feeling themselves like expanding as they um, open up and release some part of them that was being shamed, you know, from feeling like you weren't allowed or that you didn't have the permission to be the fullness of that. 
And I thought it would be more intense for the malefic ruled signs, but I'm finding like that doesn't even matter. It's like all of them, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just been super rich. And uh, I don't presume to know everything because I still have four more. And then I want to do something else with it once I'm through this first year of learning with it. But I don't know what that is yet. Yeah. Well, this makes sense why the posts have this palpable, like hot quality to them is because they are embodied and you've been like working with them. I think that's what I can really sense when I see them. And I like this, you know, I feel like there's something about, you know, even though these are not necessarily people's sun signs that they're connecting to in terms of unshaming the signs, uh, the sun I think of is very connected to like essence and radiance and also shame, you know, like anytime we are literally anything, we can be proud of it. We can just be it, or we can feel this sense of shame. Um, I think of the way that the sun, um, you know, plants respond to it and they are like all bright and moving toward mm -hmm. the sun or they shrivel up and they like feel scorched underneath it. Mm -hmm. And just how like, literally if we emanate anything, it's going to get a response from the world. And then the way we interpret that response can either validate our self-concept and make us feel good about ourselves, or we can feel unvalidated or shamed or, you know, so it's just kind of like to just connect with the essence of what wants to come through the sign feels like a really powerful um, alchemy and allowing um, to be able to just hold that as opposed to being small or, you know, not radiating or not being connected to these frequencies at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, one of the things that's been really powerful is um, understanding from studying shame and then, but really learning from the people who come to this is how damaging shame is to self-trust which in turn leads to um, us blocking intuition and which in turn leads to us feeling like we need to have logical explanations for everything that we do in order to make sure that we're doing a good thing or we're doing something right, you know, that we're not fucking it up. And um, I think the repair in self-trust when you tap into um, that essence, having a goodness, you know, um, and like letting that talk to you and letting yourself listen to it and let it bloom and blossom forward is probably the most potent thing that comes from unshaming is, um, cause I do think the grief that we all feel from being cut off from intuition is like a, a collective deep grief that like wants our attention, you know? Mm. And so we're talking about Sagittarius today, which I've been really excited about. Um, how would you approach unshaming this one? Mm -hmm. And I ask because I think of Sagittarius as one of the literally most shameless signs, though I don't think it's immune from shame. It definitely isn't, but it's just this balls to the wall kind of sign. So yeah, how do you work with unshaming this pretty shameless archetype? Mm-hmm. So when I begin, um, usually what I do is I just start creating a list of um, the, the things that we shame the sign for. 
just to kind of get my juices going. So like we could start with unshaming shamelessness. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, like, who are you to have that kind of audacity? Yeah. yeah how dare you? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to have shame. <laughs> right, like that's what we're saying. Yeah. You know, like that's at the heart of um, shame. Shame. The idea that shamelessness is a problem comes from our um, conviction that shame is something that we're all supposed to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's really like one by one. When I when I look at each one, I'm like, wait a minute. Inherently, this is not a bad thing, you know. It's that we attach things to it. And what I found is like at the heart of shame is um, what I call false couplings. I'm sure it's a term I've picked up from like pop psychology. But um, this idea that we couple anything with either goodness or badness, like we just do this. Shame is such a powerful spell that we don't really even realize how much we do it, you know? And so we have this idea, shamelessness, bad, you know, that's just like a thing that we just decided collectively. <laughs> and then we look for like congruence for that coupling, you know? Um, and I think that at the heart of it is like, if we're mad at someone for have, being shameless, where is there a part of us that has a desire to, to what, be bad, to be shameless? You know, it's like we've coupled it with bad. And so then what happens with shame is that we have a desire, we have a desire that we shame is what it is, you know, the desire to be shameless. And so then someone acting shameless becomes bad because they're not conforming to like the work that we're doing, which is like, how can, how dare you get to be like that when I have to work so hard to not be shameless? You know? Yeah. It's interesting. I associate shamelessness with good. If I were to like say <laughs> it on either side of the scale, because there's a certain, um, there's a certain freedom that emanates from it. And there's like a, a willingness to live one's life on their own terms, how they really want to live it. So I do admire it. I guess where I would maybe interpret it in some sense is that it's the question of if you, if you don't have shame, how do you know how to do the right thing? Like, it's like that idea that shame is like a guardian of the good, you know, so that if you're, if you have shame, then you know how to be proper. And I think of Sagittarius as like, you know, I don't think of Sagittarius as polite by any means, like, mm -hmm. you know, like it can be if it wants to be, but it's like, mm, has a sense of humor is blunt and doesn't care to just let it all hang out in some sense. So there's like actually kind of like a um, a lack of concern for propriety in Sagittarius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has that zingy taboo-ness to it, you know? And it's like, you're either drawn to that because you want more of it or it's attractive or it's um, like, or you shame it because probably you resent it 
because you're not allowing the part of you to come forward that would also like to not have to care about being polite because being polite is, is kind of exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So how is this one uh, moving through you personally? Moving through me personally, you know, I don't have any personal planets in Sag, but it rules my ninth house of teaching, um, making meaning, which is pretty much what I do. <laughs> I've always been a teacher student. So that axis is um, really alive for me. My own Jupiter is in Gemini in the third. And then I have Neptune in the ninth within Sag conjunct palace with Vesta near it. And um, I would say that it's a energy that I enjoy a lot. Um, I appreciate um, the bigness and the buoyancy and the sparkle and the singing. <laughs> I associate with my grandfather who was a Pisces son with Jupiter and Sag. Just like big singing um, and storytelling. He was like kind of a lot of bard energy and um, and now my my beloved uh, is a sad rising with a ton of bard energy. I just like that kind of wandering spirit. But I did have a younger brother who's a Sag son, and he was always getting away with things. So I had a resentment towards it too, because it was just like, oh, so you can just do that. You just like don't have to follow the rules. Like you just can leave because you felt like it. And I'm over here still trying to clean up dinner, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I. I have had my own kind of working through the projections that I might put on Sag because of the parts of me that were like, oh, I guess I'll just be dutiful, you know, like, fine, you get to be like that. Because <laughs> I think that's part of healing the projections that we put on a sign is like just noticing that stuff. Because if we're, if we're putting it on other people, we're putting it on ourselves too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have, um, ninth house Pluto mm -hmm. and in evolutionary astrology, there's a lot of, um, correlations between the house and the sign, um, in the order of the natural Zodiac. So I do relate to having like a Sagittarian quality of soul and soul desire. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was thinking about this, you know, part of why I was so excited for this conversation is that some of my deepest material in this life is Sagittarian in nature. Like I see that ninth house Pluto as like my uh, sense of empowerment around feeling possibility and optimism and the times in my life where I collapse possibility onto a particular circumstance or person or something and give my power of expansion away, you know, and actually go through these periods of feeling like, you know, things aren't going to get better. Things aren't possible. And over time, you know, in my life, I was really in those stories. I'd really believe it. And I'd search for meaning and search for, you know, higher ground and then find the light and the magic again. And then I'd get attached to it and then it would go away. And then I'd do the whole thing over again until I realized fundamentally, I'm just craving a big life. I'm just craving expansion, That that's it, you know? And, um, I was thinking about this also in the sense that, um, you know, I love larger than life people. 
And some of these people are complex characters, you know, definitely not perfect humans. Um, there's a kind of, uh, there's a lot around that archetype, I think, of the person that inspires kind of like a sense of promise, like kind of tornadoes into a town and like enchants everyone and shows the way, you know, and it's just kind of like a trickster in some sense. Mm -hmm. um, I've had my encounters with that type. And, um, you know, even I started having my encounters with that type from being like a writer and being excited to like capture a person like that uh, until eventually, you know, I, I don't think I'm a hot air balloon. I don't think I give empty promises and whatever, but I do spark a sense of possibility. I do lean toward optimism and try to encourage that in others. So mm -hmm. I see why I picked up that quality. But something I was thinking about in terms of shame and how I relate to the archetype is just that um, when I'm like on the up and up, you know, and like life is fun, things are happening, uh, I'm like traveling or having big experiences, I'm excited, I'm lively, I'm fun, I'm like good at meeting people, like I'm on a roll. And then because I'm on a roll, life keeps reflecting that and cool things keep happening until it runs out until there's a setback, until I'm devastated, until I'm disappointed, until it all comes crashing down. You know, it's been more or less dramatic at times. And then I'm not the life of the party anymore. I'm not larger than life. I'm not inspired. And if I have to even run into the same people that saw me in that height and they see me deflated, I've had this shame before of like, oh, I'm not, I'm not running high anymore, you know? And I used to take it so hard to heart. Like I used to really think it was forever. Like I was, you know, up high and now I've fallen forever. Like I've gotten to understand it better at this point. So it's less shameful and more just like, I'm not my preference, but that's been a really big one I've worked through of just like privileging my high states and feeling bad when I've like fallen off from it and just feeling into how like Sagittarius, um, you know, it, maybe some people can be optimistic seemingly most of the time, but mm -hmm. I do think there's a quality of like, it's mutable fire. It can come and go. Um, mm -hmm. and what it's like to connect with it sometimes, and then not be that shiny and flashy and fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, I just went on a little <laughs> sad no, trip. <laughs> no, I feel it. And I feel the Pluto aspects of being pulled back down. Um, you know, what it makes me think of is how I, I, I like to ground the unshaming process in feeling into the wheel of the year and like why why it's Sagittarius, why is Sagittarius what it is, you know? And so first of all, I feel like every sign dreams of the one after. And so it's like after Libra Scorpio, you know, that is such a huge invitation to get into death, you know, that Sag must follow because it's what is going to bring us out from the underworld and help us to get, come back up again. But especially it is 
what we have to have at the darkest time of the year. It's like made to be what it is to help us in the darkness. You know, it's like, we've got to like power, power, power it up to keep going because there's still winter ahead. We have to get across the winter solstice threshold of the longest night, the longest of all, you know? So it's like, it's a time for candles, you know, it's a time for singing and it's a time for like staring into the fire and letting your um, brain go into this like uh, sight, you know, like start to have visions, you know, and see things and like get animated with what's around you and connected and like looking up at the sky and looking up at the stars and like the, those big broad strokes are all about like, what is this for? Like, this sucks, it's cold. <laughs> so it's just like, it has to be what it is so that we can survive. And like, why do we even want to, you know? Yeah. And, and then we've got a past that it dreams of cap. Because it's like Capricorn to me has like, it wants to build, but it wants to build based on what we learned that we care about and Sag, you know, it's like wants to build from that Sagittarian place of like what the meaning of it is. Like, why do we even care? Yeah. If you're not using your Capricorn for what your Sag most like wants to sing a song for then Capricorn is just drudgery, you know? Yeah, the way you're putting that, like this kind of dreaming from the dark has me thinking about the, um, you know, how culture shames toxic positivity or people that, you know, believe in possibility in the face of like terrible things in the world and like this kind of, you know, and that could go to Pisces as well. Like it's like the shaming of the dreamer, the shaming of these Jupiter ruled signs. Mm -hmm. But there is a, you know, I think psychologically too, sometimes when people are going through really deep um, soul retrieval, like embodiment processes, I feel like the Sagittarian person is learning even how to be present with deep grief because a part of their psyche has been so hopeful for so long. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the person that sees the silver lining and can see the best in everything and like doesn't actually make space for um, hopelessness or whatnot. And so just even to kind of fill out the whole gestalt or to like be fully embodied or here, sometimes Sagittarius has to dip into that, but it's nature is often to, uh, you know, get in the hot air balloon and like get some leverage and like go expand um, and not be mired in, in the mud basically. Yeah. And that's what people also shame about it. It's just like, you're not in the mud where you should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like from the perspective of us being all the signs, like we have other signs for that. Like we had the Scorpio that preceded it, that took us all the way down to like the root of what is where the poison is so we can heal ourselves, you know? Um, it's just that we, uh, I feel like what's missing is a holistic approach to the Zodiac so that 
it's not like only you're only the Sash, right? Yeah, like, or only the Scorpio, like only, or only the, the Scorpio. Like they they inform one and they all have their place inside of us, is how it feels to me. So our Sag is running however it wants to run. I feel like it's running on an intelligence. And so it needs to be broad or big um, and take up space and feel free to go. Um, and then because it got to do that, then the other parts of us can do what they're here to do um, in an unshame framing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I've been thinking too with Sagittarius, so we're talking about these broad strokes and just how, um, you know, what are the consequences of being that way in the world, right? Like where we, the broad strokes are great. They're expansive. They show us the bigger picture and then they're not necessarily detail-oriented. There's other signs that are maybe taking care of the details. So one way that I perceive Sagittarius often show up is that it's a messy sign that, and it's not even, you know, I think about the CEO of the company is holding the bigger vision, maybe created the bigger big vision and then outsources and delegates tasks, um, you know, the admin work. I don't think Sagittarius is necessarily that organized or intentional in terms of delegating the admin work. I see Sagittarius as like, uh, you know, a partner, or like someone telling their partner, like, yeah, let's like go on this trip, like book these flights, uh, surprise, you know, and the partner's like, wait, we didn't plan for this. Like, how are we going to like, you know, there's all these details we need to get cat sitter, like, et cetera, et cetera. And just like Sagittarius being kind of unconcerned or like, yeah, we'll figure that out when we get there. And it's just not bothered. Right. And not necessarily planning. It can, right. Like it can have that skill set. So I see, this phenomenon happen where people love Sagittarius. It's charming, it's fun, it's lively. And then they forgive the mess that Sagittarius leaves because they're just like, well, you know, that's not what you're here for. Like you bring the party, someone else will clean up the mess uh, mm -hmm. until that is more of an issue, like until it's more extreme. But I was thinking about um, a friend telling me about her father-in-law who's a Sagittarius and the way that he cooks and like makes these big glorious meals, but like wrecks the kitchen, like meat juice dripping on the walls kind of stuff. And then his wife cleans up after him. And his son is like kind of begging him to like behave better in the world. Cause he's like riding the edge of going to jail just because he like kind of does what he wants. <laughs> I was like, sometimes these Sagittarian people are just so, um, they really push the boundaries of again, that like what's proper, what's organized, what's clean. Um, and it's fun and they definitely leave the party, but like there's a mess that they leave. Um, mm. or can. And mm. so just thinking about, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? The messiness of sad. Yeah. I feel like, um, I wonder if this, if we did like a social experiment, if this would be, um, a trait that is more in male-bodied um, Sagittarians because in many ways, like the out-of-controlness of it may be related to the ways that like our culture has conditioned a lot of um, male-bodied individuals to just like, 
feel like they're allowed to make messes and somebody else is going to clean it up. I'm just, I'm, I'm seriously wondering how it might relate to like Zeus, like Jupiter kind of energy of like, this is what I'm allowed to do, you know? Because in many of these cases, like I'm, I, cause I'm seeing people light up in my life who have these qualities you're, you're bringing up and um, none of them are female bodied. Um, and it feels almost like a thing that culture like conditions for the toxicity to kind of get worse and instead of addressing where harm might be harm might be at play, you know, from the not caring or, or the, the not thinking about or not getting a boundary. Yeah. I guess there's the, the physical mess. And then the more metaphorical mess I see with Sagittarius is like mm, acting a certain way and then being kind of hypocritical in terms of like, I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to call out other people for doing it, but like I can do it kind of thing. So <laughs> different type of mess, but I see that kind of like, um, I see what you're saying about the gender part for the physical mess, for the metaphorical mess. I haven't seen it pick. It, it goes both sides. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like in, in, you know, if we're thinking about it from an unshaming perspective, um, you know, I can feel like if you have shame because you've been that person who didn't hold themselves to the accountability or to the um, kind of like social, um, like honoring of respect um, that we might, that uh, that they might have been like wishing that they had, like, how would you unshame that if you realize that it was you? Like, First, I would want someone to get in touch with the part of themselves that is like the dignity of just wanting to kind of have that broad freedom, you know, but also I'm almost hearing like a little child who's like, but nobody told me, nobody told me I wasn't allowed or like nobody, like what, what feels is missing there is like, um, like a prop, like a kind of a, a boundary that someone with that energy might have appreciated having. I'm, it doesn't really apply as much to your metaphorical one, um, but to- It is something, yeah, around having, coming to a space of boundaries or, um, you know, I think, I'm trying to think like there, I'm, I can think of examples and I know times where I've been on the end of like leaving a mess that someone else had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, you know, I don't just like flippantly like do that kind of thing, but I think there's something about feeling this, the space to like really take up a lot of space mm -hmm. in this world, um, and to push the boundaries, um, and feeling it into like what's the what's the form of that that really wants to come through that isn't necessarily about carelessness but is just about bigness mm -hmm. um, and sometimes the mess you know it's one thing if it's like actually like just rude or not considerate other times I think when people just 
are freewheeling, being big and themselves, they like ruffle other people. Like other people get disturbed by it. And that is another type of mess, you know, in quotes, but it's a mess that in most cases, I think people shouldn't have to feel responsible for cleaning up like other people's projections and responses to them is like their stuff to work with. Yes. (laughs) You know, so just feeling into, I guess, where, yeah, where the responsibility is for the mess. Yeah, you know, I've been feeling about about um, my own work in the world, which can be um, very hot. Um, recently, someone was telling me that I'm like a volcano. And like, if I was to shame my volcano, then I'm like not letting it out, you know? Like, it is not inherently evil, right? Like, it's not trying to hurt anyone. If you don't like it, move away. <laughs> um this kind of like right like if you don't like loud people at a bar just remove yourself (laughs) why is it the loud person's um problem you know I guess this is like this is where a sag is really edgy because like unshaming like cultiness or something like there's a lot of aspects of sag where you can tap into stuff that of course I'm like not for you know or like of I find grotesque. And at the same time, I think the more we like dig under and dig under and dig under to try to understand like, where is it coming from though? Like what's it wanting to express? I think is really interesting. Yeah. You know what I'm even just noticing about the nature of our conversation and then like the unshaming angle is that I was like, okay, let's dig in. Like what's kind of fucked up about Sagittarius. So let's talk about it. When actually my main um, way that I approach signs and like talking about astrology, um, I think about the shame parts or what might be difficult for people. And then I like incorporate it into the alchemy of like, what's the offering I can create here. Mm -hmm. So I'm never like promoting sign hate, but then- when we're having a conversation like this, it's like, okay, let's get edgy. Let's talk about like what the issues are, you know? And it's, it's in that spirit though, of like, let's work with it. Not this is just the way it is. And it's bad kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I was like noticing that my mind was like scanning for like, you know, yeah. What can we dig a Sagittarius for? (laughs) It's like, I love this sign. And then that's, how people feel so seen by this project is because it's tapping at like, yeah, (laughs) I just want to like be loud sometimes, you know, (laughs) or whatever the thing is that people just want, you know, to feel not have to apologize. Yeah. If they have a loud laugh or, um, they tell tall tales or other things that we can think about with yeah I know do you catch yourself just exaggerating sometimes like (laughs) you're telling a story and I'm like wait a minute I usually catch myself in the moment I'm like that's not actually true I totally just like made that up and then I like go back and edit the details so that it's like accurate but I just notice when I'm really spirited and telling a story it's easier to make the numbers higher it's easier to make everything more embellished and dramatic and like that's the fun of it and oh, that's yeah. like everyone enjoys it more. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> like even the secondhand story I heard about the meat juice dripping on the walls, it's like, I don't know if that's true. It's hearsay, <laughs> but I like it and I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Please elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Embellish away. It's more and fun. I think that's also how Sagittarius drives home a point. You know, it has to make things bigger. It's the ceremony of making things bigger. It's also like when we're really getting our ass handed to us by the universe in a Jupiterian way, it blows things up. It makes them really big and out of proportion so that we can see something. And so I think sometimes like blowing the details up a little bit is a teaching tool. Right. <laughs> yes. It's a persuasion tool, right? And it's it's only nefarious in certain circumstances, but it's generally that the energy behind it is to convey, to really like, yeah. I love that. You know, I was thinking too, and this um, special this might relate to what you were saying about expansion and then deflation. Is if you think about Sag as a centaur holding the bow and arrow towards the sky like there's only so long that you can be like connected to the bow and arrow and sometimes you just realize like it's just hooves here you know you're not actually there you can't actually be up there all the time right and sometimes you're just right and maybe it's like dark by 4 p.m where you live you know I used to be so messed up by it. I'm glad like something shifted. The thing that actually really helped me was just recognizing attachment to states, like emotional states and realizing that everything's cyclical and that just because I'm in a down doesn't mean that something's wrong or that I've messed up, that I like will always have these ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was like an intellectual concept, but then it became embodied also by just being okay with the sensations of, you know, I have to also open to excitement. Like sometimes excitement's so big that it's an edge and like letting myself be wild, like letting myself have my little manias, you know, like I received a diagnosis um, as bipolar when I was 21 and didn't, I was like, fuck this. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in this diagnosis. Never have. But to this day, I do have these moments where I feel not out of control manic, not out of touch with reality manic, but I do get really excitable in ways that like I had to learn how to actually hold that in my body to not be punished by the social police, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've learned how to hold that, but also my lows, again, that's the bipolar thing, which I don't agree with anyway, but like going into those, um, you know, depressions or lows, they are in relationship to the highs. That's that what was what was shamed of like you can't go that high and you can't go that low and they do polarize each other you know the higher you go and then you fall lower like so I've just learned also how to open up to the down how to open up inside of the disappointment or open up inside of the loss and be okay with being a little bit chop wood carry water during those times and like not feeling as glamorous during those times and yeah it's almost like, sounds like expanding, but the love, like it's expanding either way, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just, I had to stop looking at either one as better or worse. Of course, I love the high, like that is my preference in some sense, but I've also noticed that like, one, I can't live there forever. I do need integration and rest. 
the more I can give myself that and the more at a true pace and true size I can live my life, the less violent my contractions are, you know, like I've gotten better at, um, you know, even just holding my excitement and like doing things that are edgy with my excitement, but not doing things that I know I'm going to be super hungover about the next day. Like I've, I've learned to gauge that for myself. And these mm. are all things I've done just in my own body, I guess, or like by witnessing myself and my cycles. Mm. But yeah, I think there's something just about like, you know, when things are fun, when everything's going up in the right direction and like everyone's good and it's like, great, it, it's temporary. Like I know that now. So just not getting so attached and making beliefs and worldviews and like permanent understandings of reality there. It's like beautiful to glimpse that, but it's, and it can then be integrated in the low, right? And similarly, the low periods are not going to be that way forever. And we actually vision and dream and like work and endeavor, right? And we get up again. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. More neutral. You know, as you're speaking, I was seeing um, temperance, the tarot card associated with Sagittarius often has someone. Thank you. I've been dying to understand how temperance is associated with Sag. (laughs) You're helping me. Like, (laughs) well, yeah, if you think about these goblets pouring water um, back and forth, like what if the what if high and low was not vertical, but more of a horizontal um, directionality in that, in the sense of like, what, what shifts when it's horizontal, as opposed to like, now I'm high, now I'm low. Um, Cause I think we attach, we we're like conditioned to attach high as things as good and low as bad, or like North is good. South is bad but a horizontal temperance maybe is more of like close to the truth of it. I love that. I've been trying to understand this for a long time. Honestly, I was just like, I don't think of Sagittarius as very temperate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I use the Thoth deck and it's art in, uh, it's not called temperance. It's just called um, art and it has a big cauldron and there's a, there's a, a, a humanoid with two heads, um, like different parts of us. One set, one arm is putting in water and the other is putting in fire. So it's very like alchemical feeling, cauldron feeling. And um, I identify more with that as Sagittarius than temperance. Mm-hmm. But what you were saying just brought the temperance picture up around um like the alchemical process of moving between states and maybe the mutability of Sagittarius helping us with that in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. To the mutability helping with that. I, that's been a, a huge thing just in the last week. Like I, it comes up multiple times, but it landed in a deeper way of like the mutable signs help shake up stagnant energy. So I think Sagittarius, like new experiences actually um, help digest whatever is stagnant inside of us, which could be our old worldviews or even just old hangups and grief and whatnot. That's like kind of ready to be worked out. There was even a study done that was like, I, I wish I had the link or whatever, but it was basically a some type of study that was like, yep, it's proven traveling helps you solve your problems. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, <laughs> they're saying it's like fresh experiences, fresh like places, like helps you 
it like cognitively helps you see your situation from new perspectives and thus helps you solve your problems. But I think that's another thing people shame Sagittarius for is like, they're just running all the time or like, you know, running away from their problems, going to new traveling all the time. I even had a time, like I traveled a lot in the last few years and I came back to, um, kind of like a, a place that I frequented, um, after I was gone for a while and a few people, like, I couldn't tell if I was just imagining it. Cause I see things with an archetypal eye and whatnot, but people were just kind of like treating me as though like, Oh, like you just, you know, you're a world traveler now. Like this kind of thing of just like, Oh, you've been gone for a while. Like I felt like the local, you know, third housey kind of place was just like, you're not one of us anymore. Cause you're just like always gone or like, there was like this edge to it that felt like oh I don't belong here anymore kind of thing um they're like envious or I don't know exactly like I couldn't really put my finger on it but uh, I just didn't go back I was like all right well (laughs) makes me wonder if like there's something about um a Pluto ninth house in the ninth house that's like maybe you need to leave to die or something and to die and be reborn. And then when you come back to the third house, you're, you're going to be a different person. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had definitely, I've had positive experiences with it too, where I like, I'm more like easily meeting people and going with the flow in my local area because I learned how to do that traveling. So it's not all been negative or anything like that, but it was just interesting to see like, you know, the local tavern vibe being like, oh, like you're back <laughs> kind of thing. So you're back at the Shire after you're <laughs> around the corridor. Um, um What do you, I just want to ask though, going back to the cauldron, like what you think is cauldron like about Sagittarius? Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I, uh, in my living the science Sagittarius workbook, I, I share the story of the, I guess it's a Welsh or Celtic goddess Caridwen. I'm not good on details. Okay. That's my Jupiter. (laughs) I'm just going to embellish. I'm going to speak how it's truthful to me. Um, (laughs) But um, this story is that um, Caridwen is this great witch and she has a son who's very frail and she works a year and a day working with the planets and the plants to create this like super super potion that's going to help her son and um she invites this little boy Guion to stir it every day and the day comes where it's time she's put in all this work and some of the uh potion splatters on Guion and he licks his finger it only takes three drops and all the power comes to Guion not her son so she chases after him and it's like first he has these powers now and he becomes like a rabbit or something. And then she's chasing him and she she becomes like a larger animal. It's like a wizard's duel type thing. Then he like leaps into the river and he's like a trout. And then she becomes a bigger fish or whatever. And then he leaps out and he starts to fly like a, uh, some 
bluebird i don't know idea and then she starts to be a hawk and she's chasing 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 and then he drops um turns himself into like a piece of like a seed or something and it drops into where um these chickens are and then she turns into a chicken or something like this she eats him and then she's now pregnant with him and then after nine months gives birth to him and puts him in a river and lets him go off and he becomes um Taliesin Merlin like the greatest bard wizard of all of this history and so what I'm getting at is to me um I feel the Sagittarian uh, streak in the story of like our teachers, our passions are like Caridwin chasing us. And we're like the student who's like trying to um, kind of outrun, but also like be in the thrill of the chase. And then we get like, we become the uh like this great student from our teachers and like from what makes us and so I that's how I bring cauldron into sag energy is like I feel sometimes like astrology or anything that I'm passionate about it's almost like it's hunting me as much as I'm chasing it you know what I mean and it's like I'm just trying to keep up with this passion and that to me feels very Sagittarian wow I mean, my Pluto in the ninth house loves that because <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, there's something about, yeah, the way that the universe catches us or chases us too. And to even just be in the eroticism of that, as opposed to the fear or victimization, mm -hmm. it. it's pretty edgy. It's like an existential kink over there. Um, <laughs> and it's all those were the four elements it's like the first animals are earth and then water and then air and then fire I guess is when she gets imp she impregnates herself um I could be telling that wrong it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no it's all, now it's a new myth <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I feel like um the Sagittarian part of you will feel so lit by what you want to learn about like what like the next teacher the next like modality the next like oh my gosh I can't wait to be in this you know that that fire will like keep you alive you know yeah I think there's something about these stories too like I've been learning I'm obsessed with Greek mythology mm. and have started to realize you know that there's different tellings of the same story and that when um, I heard Demetra George in a lecture talk about how part of the tradition is even that you can kind of alter the story, like the storyteller can alter it as they please, which was kind of what I got, whether that's what she actually said, that's, that's what I got. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that because, um, because the myths are, you can interpret them in multiple ways. There's different versions of the story that depending on the angle that you provide, there's the magic inside of it you know there's a kind of um arc or a spell of the particular story and so that's the purpose I guess of the the cauldron of the story is that you're creating a sense of um possibility so I've noticed that from like 
you know, having this really deep experience with a myth and really extrapolating and going down a rabbit hole with it and it facilitating a particular development, a particular expansion, and then learning another version of the myth that totally contradicts, like just kind of puts a hard wall on like the whole process I just had. You're like, well, the other story I told is still valid. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> different, yeah, different cauldron, different spell. Yeah, I think that that's like where Sag is in like, well, but what feels true, you know, as like what feels alive as truth for a, a given individual. And um, I think that it's, you know, when I think about how we associate Sag with like religious leaders and inspirational speakers, it's um like what they're what what what's being communicated is coming from this place that feels true inside that runs as fire and not as air, you know? Yeah. So speaking then of truth, that's like a big part of this sign, them being truth tellers, being blunt. Um, I'm thinking about, you know, the inspirational leaders and whatnot that you just mentioned and how there can be a charisma behind the truth telling or this kind of inviting. Uh, seductive quality of it. And there's also the side of Sagittarius that will just like really rip you a new asshole with their perspectives <laughs> and how like, I've started to realize too, that I'm just going to say it like people like it. People like, <laughs> I am someone that like started out being really, um, tactful and careful. And I have like Venus Mercury. So I do know how to say things in a really gentle way. Yes. Um, and so for years, I mostly focused on gently speaking the truth, like being very sweet with it. But over the years, I met other people that were harsher and like really just like kind of whiplash you with their perspective. And I would see how people would kind of jump. They like get the cold bucket of water on their face. And then they're like, Ooh, and they get kind of like turned on. They're like, you're right. Or maybe they get mad, maybe they fight them for a bit. But like, I just like realized that I was wrong in my assumption for years that like the truth had to be delivered like really sweetly and gently. Um, and that there's a lot of people that love to just have it fucking delivered to them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so just thinking about, you know, what's it like to be a person that even, you know, I have more Pisces. That's why I think I'm, I'm sweet. People have told me this in readings too. I've, I, I give harsher feedback. The more I sense permission from the person, the more I sense that's how their system works and the trust that I have developed with them. But I'm pretty gentle to start out with those are my Piscean ways, you know? And I think about people that just are blazing Sag. They see like their sight is so strong and they're seeing people in total illusion and they can just name it in a way that like literally fries people's brains. Like they've had to learn <laughs> that they have a weapon, like that their sight can be a weapon. Uh, and what's it like to kind of navigate being a truth teller at this range where it's like, yeah, it can be really gentle. It can be inspiring. And when you hold the type of truth, that's going to like really wallop someone. Yeah. Yeah. I, this is a journey place for me too is like it's hard for me to believe but 
I found that people really prefer it when I have a pointier edge to my delivery. Um, but it's taken so much time for me to get to, to get to that place. I'm still very much in a process of learning that, um, people won't sign up, you know, if they're afraid of it, you know, or they don't want it. But, um, I kind of lean on the side of like, this is the essence of Sag. So I wouldn't want Sag to hold back, you know, it's like yeah. get out of the way of the volcano to me, you know, but I do think, uh, like I associate a shadow of Sag with like truthiness, like, um, which is a word from the Bush era, uh, where, you know, current events are told from this position of fake truth, you know, and then we get this idea of fake truth and all of that to me just feels super sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely people could, you know, it's different if you actually have sight and it's, it's on point, right. Mm -hmm. But this is intuition. Yeah. Like, and also kind of being able to smell one's own lies and self-deceit. Because mm -hmm. I think that the more villainous side of like the overbearing truth, you know, in quote, truth telling side of Sagittarius is an extension of someone being in a lie themselves, you know, and trying to like, you know, impose that whoever they're projecting it on. So I think it's, you know, I guess it brings up, there's a doubt that one could have, like, is my site accurate? And then if there is that trust, if one has developed the site and then it's holding it and sharing it and wielding it. Yeah. Now that I'm really feeling into it, my daughter, my boyfriend, and my sister-in-law are all Sag Risings and they all see so much. And uh, I really appreciate it. My 14 year old, she said, if she, if we could like take away one taboo, um culturally after openly farting <laughs> choice would be uh that people could just be blunt you know like I prefer if you not sit at my, <laughs> my table you know or like I would prefer it if this da, da, da. or like um no I don't actually think you're good at soccer or something like she she wishes that she could just speak freely but I think she spends a lot of her energy trying to corral back um, words that she's noticed being a socialized human being now that those yeah. things land well on people and her Gemini moon would really like to like keep her friends happy. And <laughs> it's funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I love, it's interesting. I guess Sagittarius just has to make a choice at some point if they're going to like hold it in or let it out. Um, I had a person like a fingerprint technician in my visa process. I had to go get my fingerprints done and my fingerprints are like so delicate and faint, like other parts of like, people don't hear me walking into a room sometimes. So I had to like go to a specialist to get my fingerprints. What? <laughs> and it was like funny because I was like in this process also of like channeling the emergence frequency, which was all about like coming out and like taking up space. And I'm like, my fucking fingerprints are so faint. I have to like go to a specialist. But the person who was capturing my fingerprints was a Sagittarius. And 
she was really talkative. She told me, you know, she was just like joking around with me, like telling me that I was like skinny, like too skinny, which is funny because culturally now that's like taboo. Like you don't comment on people's body weight or whatever, but she just didn't give a fuck. And she was like telling me that I was skinny and that I should eat more. And then she was like telling me, she's like, oh, you're like, she'd give me a direction and I would like follow it obediently. And then she'd laugh at me. She's like, oh, you're so good. Like, what? Oh, you're so obedient. She's like, you should be, you know, she's like, you're quiet. You should be louder. Like she was just like roasting me for no reason, but it was so cosmic to me because she was speaking to a process that I was like very self-aware of, of like, I am trying to come out of my shell. I am trying to take up space. And the Sagittarius is roasting me, telling me I'm skinny and quiet. <laughs> and it was just like, I felt in that moment that, you know, I could have been offended. It just wasn't offensive to me, you know, but it's like, I'm sure she's had the experience if that's the way she is all the time, that she probably offends people. But also like, I just felt her prodding at something I was already able to see the humor in, you know, but yeah. it was just like very Sagittarian really of her. And yeah. I'm glad that she was that way. And I was telling her cause she kept almost, she was doing that, but then she was apologizing. And I was like, no, like you're good. Like oh. I didn't explain to her the meta narrative that she was like a cosmic oh. deliverer of like a frequency I was working on, you know? But I asked her, I was like, she said something like, I haven't always been this way. And I was like, so, you know, what's up with that? What made you become this way? And she told me this story that like, you know, she was a wife and had kids and her husband cheated on her. And she like decided to get divorced, even though that wasn't like considered okay in her culture. And like, there's like, she just had like a whole cool story behind it. Um, but she had like, basically unshamed herself of like now she just talks a lot and she says what's on her mind um because she went through some trial by fire kind of thing like that's her that's her role <laughs> yeah. oh wow and it's almost like when you said like your fingers I was almost seeing like Pisces fingers being um almost like when you come out of the water and like, it's probably impossible to get fingerprints. Yeah. Left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're, no one can hear you moving around, you're just like a fish gliding around. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, it was really confronting that part of myself because it's cool to be ethereal, you know, like I love it in some sense, but I was like really trying to like, you know, like ground down a little bit more just like for fuck's sake like my fingerprints took like an hour to get and meanwhile she was just like spitting oracle so wow it all worked out Here it <laughs> <laughs> um anything else around like unshaming Sagittarius that we haven't touched on that you want to add I think we've covered all the fun stuff or at least I feel good about it yeah mm -hmm. so then um, another thing I want to ask you is just in terms of being almost at the end of this experiment um, if there's anything you want to share around what it's moved for you or any mm -hmm. yeah st stories while we're here in Sag yeah um, I knew it would be this way but 
It has just been very cool experiencing how each one is so different. And um, I kind of just don't have any expectation and I'm just learning to let the inspiration come in and the way I work with the ruling planet come in um, in this totally different frequency for each one. And so, yeah, I've, it's been very moving, like just being the one experiencing, uh, bringing it down, you know, and bringing it out. So I have loved that. And then I've really loved, I learned so much from the people who come, um, because, they're like in the lab with me basically, you know? And like recently I had this idea to invite people to connect to the energy of audacity in their body. Because what I've, one of the big things I've found each month is that audacity seems to be like the core ingredient for unshaming. Um, it's the audacity of self-permissioning really, you know? And so we did this exercise where everyone like felt into like, where's audacity in my body? Like, where does it want to move in my body? Like, how does it want to move? And then notice like where, and listeners could be doing this right now, right? Like noticing where audacity is kind of like not wanting to go or like what parts of your body are like, no, no audacity here, you know? And just allowing that to just be information that is helping you with the project, because um, what would it be like to send a little audacity energy to the parts of you that are like, I'm not allowed to have that here, you know? And then what would it be like to just turn up, like if you see audacity on a dial, like a radio dial, noticing like before you do something, what percent or like zero to 10, what level do I have audacity on right now? What would it be like to just like turn it up a, a notch and see what happens <laughs> and, and finding out like how fascinating this is for, for people to play with, you know, just to play with the energy of audacity and let that move through their lives and get evidence back. And that's been super cool to experience. So yeah, that's probably one of my favorite anecdotes from anecdotes from recently. Mm -hmm. Wow, it's it's super fun to have audacity, truly. And I think that having audacity in the places where it's personally taboo is like very sensational. It's very edgy. Like, yeah, whatever restrictions are wired in our nervous system around it is our our paradigm um, at a body level. And so to like push the edges of that is really. Um, uncomfortable but mm -hmm. I think that um yeah the the adventurous spirit of Sagittarius feels appropriate there because it is literally about pushing the boundaries and I think Sagittarius does it in a way that it like expands out of the boundary it doesn't just shoot out of the boundary in like an Aquarian like Aquarius will go like out you know, in this way that might be a very extreme or shocking feeling to the system. But I feel like Sagittarius is kind of this like warm pushing of the envelope that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like we get a an idea that permissions us to like stretch in a new direction. And there's like a, a certain benefic 
Jupiterian like goodness to that process. So there really can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely feel like uh, audacity has a lot of like the fire signs are our supports for accessing audacity. So unshaming wherever someone needs unshaming Aries, Leo, Sag can help release audacity. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that tracks. Um, (laughs) So how can people um, join this next unshaming the signs workshop for Sagittarius and connect and work with you in general? Yeah, so I'll share a link to, it's November 30th, but lots of people, I I, I see them as um, evergreen, like um, lots of people only do replays and they email me telling me how amazing it is. So you don't have to come live if you, if you hear this later, but I'll, I don't know the dates for Cap Aquarius and Pisces, but if you're following me on Instagram, you'll be able to know when I'm holding those. And um, yeah, Instagram's just a great place to get used to my voice and see the project at play. I've really seen it as an Instagram project. It has gone well with Instagram. <laughs> yeah, it's been- yeah. It looks like they're very those posts maybe get shared a lot, and new people are finding you. They have, yeah, they do have a spreadable wildfire quality to them. they do Uh, they do and um yeah I think my my followers have doubled since I started it um because yeah they're very shareable and I think that people a lot of people just feel really seen you know so that's really fun yeah (laughs) I mean I've been cheerleading it um you know, in moments like externally, like you've seen me, but just like internally, when I see the post, I'm just like, damn, like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. I actually had a moment when I was doing my emergence workshop and I was writing posts. I felt like I was channeling a little bit of you because I was like, I was having an experience. It was moving through my body. It was about listening to my impulses and Mm -hmm. Uh, feeding the impulse that I was like coming up against literally my shame and like restriction of like, Oh, the Capricorn side of me of like, that's a bad idea. That's not going to work out. You're going to look stupid. You're going to fail. It's dangerous. Like all of that when I was feeding my impulse. So I was getting fired up, but then I made these posts of like myself, like literally dressed as like Eros, like Cupid and with text over it. And I was like, this is a Britain moment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know my influence here. <laughs> I love it. Yay. But yeah, it's like that. I haven't sustained that genre. And I'm just like, damn, I really commend you. I'm really in admiration of you for being in such a long form around this type of content creation, the generosity of the project um, and the alchemy of it. It's hmm. been cool to watch and take in. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's my cat moon gets like turned on by long-term process. <laughs> I'm like, mm, yeah, long-term. That sounds sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Putting in the work. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank um, you so much. Um, 
but yeah, you do readings, you teach, feel free to tell us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The audacity to talk about myself. Um, (laughs) yeah, I do right now. I actually close my books because, um, well, I, I, I need to speak about this. Yeah. My first book is coming out March 5th called living astrology. And it's gonna, it's, uh, it's not a, it's not a how to astrology. It's about, it's a chartless approach to, um, engaging with the signs and living each sign month to month. There's a lot of the unshaming spirit in it. And that the writing of it, like is what's underneath the unshaming project, you know? because I was writing it this time last year as I was dreaming about doing Unshaming the Signs come spring. But I would say most of my income comes from um, teaching. Like the vast majority of my income comes from my school. And I have I have stuff running all the time, short short-term containers, but especially three plus month containers. Again, I like the longer term and... Um, I will probably open a year-long learning container in the spring, but that's still incubating. So um, yeah, the then I have my Moon to Moon podcast. So that's where I just, I talk about whatever's emergent to share. And I have different series on it. One is Living the Questions, which is super Sagittarian. It's inspired by Sag Sun Rilke. Um, who there's a quote from Letters to a Young Poet where he encourages the young poet to um, not try to find answers, that they'll be like um, languages that like your tongue doesn't know how to speak and like locked rooms to you, just live into the questions because the point is to live everything. (laughs) So, and I have another series in Moon to Moon called Dark Moon Downloads, where I share end of cycle wisdom at the end of each lunar cycle, but I don't do it every cycle. I learned with my podcast, I don't know about you, that um, I will like get really angry if I lock myself into like, a must do regular thing. Like I only like to record emergently with like, oh, I want to do that. You know, it's often a day of inspiration. Um, So yeah, you need to come on the podcast soon. Yes, I'm excited too. Um, Thank you so much for joining me here. This was like so much fun to talk with you. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to share this. Thank you. All right. And we'll leave all those links um, in the notes for those of you to connect with Britain. Um, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye.